Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Um, my guest today is Hadley Stern, uh, Senior Vice President and Managing Director of the Blockchain Incubator at Fidelity Labs, which is uh, associated with Fidelity Investments. Hadley, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. How are you? Good. Hopefully, I, I got your uh, intro right. Um, I, yeah, I, no think you, I think you did, yeah. Okay. Well, very good. So what's Fidelity Labs? And you know, then let's get into, um, in regards to blockchain initiatives, what What's happening there over at Fidelity Labs? Sure, yeah. So Fidelity Labs is a, an internal innovation group within Fidelity Investments that's been in existence since about 1998, um, so for, for quite some time. And our goal really is to understand uh, new technologies, experiment with those new technologies, and potentially build not new products and services. We also have, apart from a technology point of view, also a user and product point of view as well. Um, so we're, we also incubate new products and services for the company. Okay. And, you know, getting a little bit more specific, um, again, in the world of blockchain and perhaps cryptocurrencies or maybe just blockchain and distributed ledgers, what kind of projects uh, is the lab group working on right now? What's, what's the most interesting one or the one that you think will have the most exciting application? Sure. You know, we, we have a, a portfolio of activities. And I, I the way that we segment the world and the way that we think about it related to the blockchain space is there's the cryptocurrency space. So there's the emergence of these new tokens and assets. Um, there's the permit, so-called permission blockchain space, which is disaggregating that technology out of, out of a, a cryptocurrency and using it. And it could perhaps have utility in our business to make things better, faster, cheaper. And then the third bucket that we're interested in is what new products and services could be built on top of this technology outside of our current businesses. So um, underpinning the whole blockchain incubator is a partnership strategy. So we have a number of partners. We have a partnership with MIT, uh, di the, their digital currency initiative with the University College London and Cornell's IC3. Uh, and that really is because we think there's a lot of value that will come out of the academic and open source community that's aligned with that academia. So that's underpinning everything. We've also historically made some venture investments, not outside of Fidelity Labs, but in Fidelity, including in TradeBlock, Exoni, and Boost VC. Uh, in terms of what we're doing within the lab itself, we have a, a variety of proof of concepts, proof of technologies, and then some product pieces that we've done. One that sounds kind of small, but we actually learned a lot from was we accept Bitcoin in a couple of our Fidelity cafeterias for about mm -hmm. a year. And we did that when really there was more, I'd say, excitement around Bitcoin being used as a, a, a currency. And we wanted to learn firsthand how hard, how easy is it. We actually learned it's pretty hard. What, what I find very interesting about Bitcoin is it's this incredible technological breakthrough, but the user experience level uh, of how you actually use it can be quite complicated for people because it kind of subverts or inverts you know, how we normally think of things. Uh, so that was an interesting project where we actually got a lot of great user research 
firsthand that told us that people were going to probably stick to their credit cards in in the U.S. for quite some time. Credit cards are cheap for people. They like the fact that they're borrowing money. They like the fact that they're points that they get, and they're pretty frictionless. You just go up and, and use it. So we learned a lot from that. Uh, on the other, uh, also on the cryptocurrency end of things, uh, in order to learn, we enabled in partnership with Fidelity Charitable, which is the nation's largest charity, the ability for people to donate Bitcoin to their donor-advised fund. So a donor-advised fund, uh, people donate money, cash, securities. They may want to donate property. Uh, They can also donate Bitcoin. And this has been running for about uh, over 18 months. We've actually had over $15 million in donations to the donor-advised fund. And And most of the users who donated, we then followed up with some some interviews just to learn about their experience with cryptocurrency, how early they got involved, how they view it. Um, is it an investment? Is it a currency? Those types of things. Uh, and it also got us to experiment with some of the, the operational pieces around around Bitcoin. So that's in the, the cryptocurrency bucket. Uh, in the Well, well before we, um, before we yeah. move on, I, I got some questions there. It seems like most large institutions – don't want to talk about Bitcoin. They want to strip away the, you know, the blockchain technology aspect of it. They don't even want to talk about Bitcoin, and you know, they just want to use it for their applications, which is understandable. Why has why is Fidelity different? Why did they embrace it? Why is the CEO embracing it? Why did you allow it in your cafeteria? You know, I understand it was to study it, which is great, but is it just a different culture at Fidelity that that you're more open to uh, to cross pollinating from different ideas? Yeah. I- I think there is a different cultural aspect. You know, Fidelity, and, and you mentioned, you know, Abby Johnson's speech at Consensus, and I think this reflects mm-hmm. the, the legacy of the company, has a very long-term view of, of technology. So it's not necessarily a one, three, or five-year view. It's a 30-year view. And I think what resonates with her and with us is that the the breakthrough that happened with the invention of Bitcoin, this open-source way of validating transactions, um, there is just a tremendous amount to learn from. Now, will Bitcoin be a central part of our our business and operations? I doubt it. But I think those who ignore things like Bitcoin and Ethereum because they're uh, open source and because they have um, some nefarious things attributed to them, which are unfortunate, are maybe, we think, are missing the bigger picture of what could happen and this re-architecture of the internet. Makes sense. Okay. And can you tell me more about the experiment? You know, you started accepting Bitcoin in the cafeteria. I'm not sure where else, but you said people found it. The user experience was difficult. So can you say more about that? What were some of the particular difficulties? Did, did people not even understand what a wallet was? Or Yeah, it's fascinating. I think it's kind of, some of it's, for some people, it was the basics. So people new to Bitcoin, Okay, so I have to download this wallet, then I have to buy Bitcoin from somewhere, which is not a frictionless experience. And then I have to put this Bitcoin in my wallet, so I kind of get that. And then some people wanted to do use local wallets, and there's this whole weird user experience about a mnemonic phrase and a backup key, and you can't lose that, because if you lose that, you lose your Bitcoin. And some people were kind of incredulous that, what do you mean I lose my Bitcoin? Can't I call someone? Um, if my phone, if I lose my phone, no, you can't. Oh, so what do I have to do with this mnemonic phrase? Well, you have to really protect it. So 
there were some basic user experience issues like that. And then on the, the front, working with the vendor, there was some question around, well, this can't integrate into our point of sale system. You know, do we, how do we do this? Um, do we have to have a separate ledger, kind of ironically, to keep track of these, these Bitcoin um, transactions? So there was some confusion around that. And then we had one interesting experience where someone who was very passionate about Bitcoin was very excited to, to use this. And he went to the cafeteria one day. Uh, bought his breakfast, and it happened to be the day when the mempool was being flooded with kind of DDoS attack, mm-hmm. and so his transaction didn't validate, and he felt, you know, he felt responsible and bad for the per- the cashier because they, you know, they're responsible for clearing it. So he went back a few times that day, and it didn't clear until the next day. And his response was, you know, this this just doesn't seem worth it. It's just too hard. Um, oh, really? And I think. Yeah, those are kind of the growing pains. And then there's also the fundamental question around why would you spend something that you think will go up tomorrow? Uh, so it's not hmm. like cash. And we've seen this with the growth of Bitcoin. And that's why I don't think you see a lot of merchant adoption, because the use case of, of buying and holding seems to be the dominant one. Really interesting. So you learned a lot of great stuff from your experiment. Wow. Yeah, again, it seems like a a kind of benign, oh, you offer Bitcoin in the cafeteria. But at the time we did it, there was in the community a lot more hope around this merchant adoption. So we Hmm. just wanted to, you know, the best way to learn is actually, you know, do it yourself. That's true. That's a great attitude. Um, So after this experience, what do you think the role of Bitcoin will be in the future or other cryptocurrencies? Do you think there'll be currencies or what will happen? Um, I believe that what you're seeing is the very beginning of certain building blocks of of a protocol and that Bitcoin, Zcash, uh, Ethereum, other protocols to be determined which one, we should view them not as sort of the end, but a step towards that end. So Bitcoin could be a layer in some kind of validation stack. It's kind of like when we say well, let's go to the web and look at look at the web. When you load a website, you're using the HTTP protocol, you're using DNS for address lookup, you're using TCP IP, and you're using many other things as well that go up to build that that web page rendering. So my my guess is that we're at the beginning of these protocols, and we're seeing a lot of experimentation around mixing and matching, which is another reason why we we didn't want to shy away from getting to know these protocols very closely. Yeah, and I can hear from the way you're speaking, you're very knowledgeable about them. And, you know, it's so funny. There's, I, I see it as two camps so far. There's, again, the large institutions, the banks, um, the governments and all that. And, you know, they appear to be, again, more interested in the underlying technologies. And then you have the uh, the libertarians, you know, the small guys, the unbanked, et cetera, and they're they love Bitcoin and they, they want to keep it away from government and they seem to feel like, uh, you know, the big institutions are just trying to take the technology from them and maybe use it against them. It seems like these are the two camps. So it's really interesting that um, you have all this knowledge about, uh, about the whole ecosystem, from what I can tell. Yeah. And, and my sense is, you know, just like when the HTTP protocol was released by Tim Berners-Lee, we never could have predicted Google or Facebook or Amazon. My sense is, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to guess what happens 10, 15 years out. 
think the way you you segmented those cap those camps is correct. I do think that there will likely be a kind of third camp, perhaps, that will view the ability to decentralize sort of everything through the use of this technology as an opportunity to build new products and services. Hmm. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's move on to some of the other initiatives. I, you know, I interrupted you. I was just really fascinated about this. What other initiatives are Fidelity Labs working on? Uh, so we are also in the so-called permissioned or distributed ledger technology space, looking to replicate some of our con- uh, current processes, including repo transactions um, in a blockchain environment. And we participated in some industry experiments. We're really trying to understand, and I think many people are now, why do you need a blockchain? Um, and so, and that's why you've seen the shift to distributed ledger technologies, and then it almost becomes, well, it's a database. So we don't have any concrete answers here. We do think there is some promise here, um, and we're trying to, uh, our tact here has been let the people who are operational experts within our operational teams lead these conversations so that they can really help in combination with us on the blockchain side understand what could be what could be done more efficiently. You know, this may be a, a simple question, but what's a distributed ledger versus a blockchain? How are they different? Uh, well, I, you know, you can take certain, you take apart the protocol in terms of uh, a database layer, a, crypto, a cryptography layer, and a distributed computing layer. So a distributed ledger may be um, a distributed database without uh, a crypto layer, uh, a cryptography layer, because you don't need that amongst trusted parties, which then begs the question, well, what are you really doing here? Why do you need this? And so that's some of the philosophical and practical questions that are coming down uh, that, that we're coming across in order to really work through this. Makes sense. Okay. So what, again, what projects are you most excited about and how will they help institutions like Fidelity? You know, what are some of the, the big pain points or problems that Fidelity and other large institutions have and how can they be helped possibly by either distributed ledger technology or blockchain technology? So, you know, generally speaking, we continue to be excited about the emerging cryptocurrency and crypto asset space um, as a way for potentially people to invest in those, not necessarily through Fidelity, but that's a, that, that could be a question uh, that would be of interest. So that is a very exciting area. And we've seen, you know, in the past three months, this explosion of initial coin offerings. And mm-hmm. I think there's a, a lot of hype there, a lot to be skeptical about but also a lot of interesting questions around, is this a new way of creating businesses and and creating businesses that may be decentralized? So I'll give you an example that I think is very interesting, which is the cloud storage space. So there are a few companies in this space, CS, Storage A, uh, or Storage and uh, Filecoin, which ha- hasn't got off the ground yet. And their basic model is we uh, there will be a token, and there's two sides of that token. On the one hand, a user can go in and use those tokens to buy cloud storage. And on the other side, anyone, including you or I at home, or if we had excess space in our data center as a business, could rent out that storage in a, 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 to those users. So 
that token would be the decentralized layer, if you will, between the consumer and the provider. So in that scenario, something like Amazon Cloud or what Google's doing in cloud or Microsoft could go away. And so what's really interesting about that is not only the technology piece that's enabled by this blockchain technology, but also this business model piece. So one of the things that we're we're keeping a very close, a close eye on is this space and then how it, it also sort of turns upside down a little bit the notion of what investing means. Um, in the uh, in the uh, permission space, again, we're really in the weeds there and digging through what are some of those operational processes that can be improved. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to suss out um, the value of a token or any given any given token. Um, you know, with stocks, equities, et cetera, you have stocks that people speculate in. They hope the company does better economically, and they'll so they'll they'll buy the stock and hope the stock goes up. You know, then there's companies that provide dividends, and that's more of a, uh, it, it makes sense. Okay, I buy this because I want to get a, a dividend, a return on the investment. And when you look at tokens, if they're not a store of value like Bitcoin, but but other tokens, like you said, uh, coin or storage, it, what's the yeah. value of that token from your perspective? Is it just pure speculation? Why would the price of it go up or down at all? You know, what, what's your view on it? So, and and th- this becomes the really interesting intellectual and then, uh, you know, analysis kind of debate and, and work to be done is that uh, these tokens are not, they're not securities, they're not currency, they're sort of this weird mishmash of all those things. And if we take something like SIA, um, the value should be I suppose the value of the utility to the end user plus the value that people think SIA as an entity is going to be worth. But that's the emerging area where this these new businesses and these new ways of thinking about business, it's just a totally greenfield area. And there's a tremendous amount of speculation going on without much underpinning. Yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out. What do you guess will um, will happen when the quote unquote dust settles or as things move on? What will people come to see these tokens as? You know, I I understand, for instance, let's say Ethereum. You know, the token is yeah. supposed to be used for gas, so it has some kind of use. Bitcoin, it's a store of value. But for these other tokens, what do you what do you guess will happen? Uh, I, I very hard to predict. I you know, if anything in the past is is indicative in terms of technology innovations like the web. There'll be a lot of uh, experimentation and failures along the way, and then someone will come up with something interesting. You know, it, it's um, it's almost like we're having a discussion when Mozilla first launched, or maybe even before that, and, and we're trying to, I'm not trying to get out of answering the question, but, and we're trying okay. to figure out where it will, where it will go. We believe that, you know, blockchain will fundamentally change really the structure of markets, and maybe the architecture of, inter- of the internet itself. And so the goal of this incubator and this team here is to get as smart as we can from a technology standpoint, from a product standpoint, and from a business standpoint to really understand what's coming and where we can help Fidelity participate for the benefit of our customers. Hmm. What about from the perspective of uh, governments? You know, some governments appear to be uh, reactionary against 
cryptocurrencies and are trying to clamp down on them. Some are like Japan are welcoming them. Um, what do you think is going to be the role of governments? Do you think governments may have their own, you know, Fed coin or their own uh, digital currency that they use a blockchain to secure? What's your guess there? I think they could. Uh, you know, we're sponsors of Coin Center, Jerry Brito's nonprofit organization that's doing a lot of great work with the U.S. government. And there's actually a blockchain caucus in Congress that is getting to know the technology in the space. Uh, I do think, you know, what, what this technology created was a digital bearer token. Before Bitcoin, there was no such thing as a digital bearer token. There were physical bearer tokens, things like printed money. And I, I do believe uh, what you see with happening in Australia, Estonia, Singapore is doing some experiments, Canada, that we will likely have a, a digitally issued currency. I, but I don't think that's necessarily a big deal and doesn't really it, uh, you know, relate to a, the broader breakthroughs that are going to come. It could enable some really interesting things. Uh, in the traditional financial services system, but I I don't think it's if that happens, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and Zcash and others suddenly go away. That work will continue. Makes sense. What about uh, again for financial institutions? I've talked to uh, Ripple, talked to some other initiatives, and you know they're saying like back end processing of transactions, wires, ACHs, etc. Is uh, you know the compliance on that is is hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, will blockchain help to reduce costs and friction, you know, in correspondence banking and back-end settlements? Uh, what, where do you see it possibly going to help larger institutions? Uh, I, 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 I think we're cautiously optimistic there. Um, it is, it's unclear that there's a technology piece to this, but then there's also a human and sort you know, a reality piece to this in terms of the complexity of getting different people together along the activity or value chain of a financial transaction is very hard. Getting those people in the same room together um, who may or may not be threatened by this technology create uh, has been hard. And I think that's you've seen that in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. I, it, it does seem like it, it may be inevitable, but my my opinion, and this isn't necessarily a fidelity opinion, but my opinion is that we may see kind of a leapfrog outside of, of the current system uh, that will maybe then cause the current system to then have to catch up. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, just you know, a, a couple. You know, really, to, just to add on to that, what we you know we firmly believe is at the end of the day, use cases for this technology must drive clear benefits for not only institutions, but individuals and our customers. So if they're not technically better, and this gets back to our cafeteria example, and if they're not more user-friendly, um, that, that, that's that's not going to really work. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. It's true. I know there are some companies that are trying to uh, upgrade payment systems, for instance, and, and hide the fact that maybe uh, transactions are settled in Bitcoin, you know, like Abra. Uh, but yeah. in terms of user experience, that's probably necessary to get wide adoption. Yeah. Okay. Um, any last uh, things that you wanted to talk about, you know, Fidelity Labs initiatives, any other ones that uh, we haven't discussed that are of particular interest to you or yeah, most people I, wouldn't know about? Yeah. One one piece that we, uh, we're working on right now is we're working on a – we have an employee pilot right now to allow 
employees to view their Coinbase holdings on Fidelity.com. Um, so the experience is if you have a Coinbase account, you can add that to the left side of your navigation under non-Fidelity accounts. And if you have a Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin wallet, they show up and the uh, the uh, the amount is is converted into U.S. dollars and rolled up to your overall portfolio. And we're in some final testing to roll that out to the public as well. Uh, and again, that's in our path to continue to understand uh, cryptocurrencies, how, how people may like to interact with them um, on on our site. So that may be of interest as well. Yeah, it, it may be that a large institution has to do some of the work that you're doing. You know, maybe one day I'll be able to go to an ATM and I'll be able to withdraw cash or to put my, my fiat onto a Bitcoin wallet or some other crypto wallet, uh, maybe take it from crypto to fiat and, you know, use the, the mechanisms we're using right now. Uh, like maybe I'll have a debit card that I can fill up with fiat and or, you know, cryptocurrency and a large bank will issue it. Maybe that's the, the partnership that'll make this, uh, this widespread in the future. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think something like that will, will probably have to happen. Um, it does go back to that a little bit of conundrum around store of value versus a currency, and what is this thing? Um, so, 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 but, but, and then it could be something, um, something other than Bitcoin that that maybe it, it's just like you know at the end of the day we basically all use Napster with Spotify and Apple Music, but Napster we had to go through the Napster thing first. Um, That's true. That's very true. It's a good insight. All right. Any any last questions that I uh, should have asked that we didn't cover? No, that was a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, and you know, I love your insights. It's rare to okay, get them great. from you know from someone in your arena. You have been listening to Almost Here Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.